This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to another episode of the No Ceilings Podcast. I am Tyler Metcalf, joined, as always, by the Minister of Mains, the Grand Duke of Gifts, the Conductor of Chaos, the one and only Tyler Rucker. Rucker, how are we doing? Whoa, you caught me off guard there. I wasn't <laughs> expecting you to give me the uh, Apollo Creed intro right there. Um, Metcalf, I'm doing good. Uh, how about yourself? L- let's focus on you for a little bit, because I have a feeling uh, someone's off the market officially. Can we yeah, say my, it's my, official? My, my, my tax filing status has officially changed. So congratulations, marriage done and completed. All, everything went swimmingly. Uh, incredible day, uh, incredible honeymoon. Highly recommend Aruba. Uh, beautiful country, great people, great food. Um, we did get hit with a little food poisoning on our oh, no. last night. <laughs> so it's called everything was going perfect. You know, where last night we're out on this just beautiful like sunset cruise. They have uh, open bar, some like snacks or d'oeuvres, and um. One of them is that we think this is the culprit. It was one of those like little seafood pinwheel type things. Oh, gosh. And yeah. And, you know, I were in the Caribbean. Why, why would I have any reason to doubt that? You know? And so, you know, I scarf it down in two bites because I was a cow and gained 40 pounds on the trip. Um, you have and- to be, though. <laughs> Anyone that works out on their honeymoon, you're a joke. And, you know, my, 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 my wife had a had a small bite and it was like pass and uh later that night i proceeded to spend the next 12 hours vomiting and you know having had enjoying all the spoils that come with uh good old food poisoning and then standing in the 90 degree line for four hours at the aruban airport arguably the worst airport in the world uh rivaling that of miami international but Put those two things aside, and the other ninety-five percent of the trip was absolutely incredible. Okay, so be honest. Did you make up that whole story about you getting food poisoning, or were you just watching Hunter Dickinson film and you just had oh, to- <laughs> oh come on, come on, and we're back. I'm you thought you could it. escape? No, but congratulations. The food poisoning sucks, but also in a weird way, it kind of works out because. You saw you gained all that weight, and then the food poisoning brought you back down. So, you know, chess, not checkers. <laughs> I, I was just cutting, you know. It was a, a last-minute cut. Well, I'm excited to talk some hoops with you, you degenerate. Yeah. Glad you're back. Yeah, yeah it's been a while. Uh, for the listeners, not so much. But we we warehouse some episodes. And yeah, guilty. While, while I was out of commission, um, a few things happened. So, you know, just we're not – we're going to take a little break from our end up scouting reports, have a little fun, bounce around and hit some, some of the big topics that have been going on in the basketball and mainly draft world, obviously. And I, th- I think the best place to start is with Victor Wembanyama and mm-hmm. this 
pretty incredible preseason run he's been on. Um, when you look at the numbers, they're everything you would want, you know, well over 25 points a game, you know, double digit rebounds, multiple blocks, assists, steals, shooting really efficiently, getting to the line. Um, so what what has been your kind of impression, takeaway, um, big picture kind of thoughts on Victor's early preseason here? You know, um, I, I, I'm going to blank right now. When Metcalf's talking, I'll try to find it. But someone tagged us um, with one of – when they announced it on Twitter, I think the Metropolitans put their big box score for Victor. And someone tagged us because I'm not saying, Metcalf, we know everything because we all, everyone knows that's complete crap. But me and you on Victor's podcast preseason episode said he needs to go out. He needs to dominate. He needs to stay healthy. He needs to be putting up big numbers. Yep. And so far we've had what two preseason games and it's been two emphatic check marks and everyone now is going, Oh crap, look at what he's putting up. And it's like, okay, I understand we're getting excited. This is why we were hopefully thinking he made that move to go from Asvel to the Metropolitans is to get, way more touches, way more of a role, play bigger minutes. Um, so far, so good. Um, I, I, you know, selfishly, I'm just praying he stays healthy until we get the scoop Victor showdown, which I mean, um, we could even dabble on that, but, um, I'm, I'm excited. You know, I, I really am excited because I feel like me and you were, it's funny because I went back and I kept watching Victor after our episode because like even listening sometimes, like, I'm my biggest critic. I listen to the pod and sometimes I'm like, okay, how can I, you know, not make Metcalf hate me so much. And uh, I was like, wait, were we too negative on that pod? And then I was like, no, we needed to be for a preseason overhyped guy and not overhyped, but you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And um, just, I keep watching them and I'm intrigued. What about you? How are you feeling about it? Um, I, I love that you just go on just, a bender for wedding honeymoon <laughs> and then right away you're just like texting and you're just like texting about victor's games and i was like gosh this guy is a degenerate <laughs> i love it um well you know when even when you're on vacation and it, it's tough to avoid all media and so, yes. some of these highlights and stuff come across your feed and it's like okay this looks good the shot still looks really good um you know i in the the breakdown we did about him earlier uh, or a couple weeks ago, I, you know, both of us were like, yeah, we, we buy the shot long-term. We think it's good, good touch, consistent mechanics. And it looked that way. It looked like he just got more comfortable. It looked smoother. It looked better. Um, everything else about his game looked the exact same to me, just on higher volume. And, yeah. and that, that, that alone is a big step in the right direction because that's something that you mentioned that we talked about where it's, okay, can he enforce himself a little more? Can he dictate how many shots he's taking? Can he, can, you know, learn how to control the pace of the offense and what he does in terms of getting his own bucket and be a little more impactful and serious about getting his shots. And he's done that so far. Yes, it's just a preseason. So maybe that changes once you get into the regular season and these games start mattering more. Who knows? But I like how intent he's been on getting his own shots my concerns are that the shots he's taking are the exact same shots that he was taking last year where they're all play finishers and that's good but I'm not seeing him you know break guys down off the dribble I'm not seeing him do anything where it's multiple dribbles and then you know 
creating space or anything. Obviously, he's seven four, maybe seven five with an eight foot wingspan, so there's not a whole lot of space that he really needs to create. But everything in the post is still a fadeaway. Um, everything on the perimeter is still mostly a catch and shoot three with the occasional one two dribble pull ups. Um, he still shies away from contact when he attacks the rim. Awesome lob catcher, awesome offensive rebounder, really good touch on the shots. So even I'm not saying that he has to develop these super dynamic post moves or anything like that, but a little variety and a little more sense of physicality, I think it's going to be important because everyone that's guarding him in these preseason games is a foot shorter than him. And, you know, when, at least now when he's getting the switch, he's being more intent and direct about turning and turning over his shoulder and shooting over these smaller guys than he was last season but there's still not a whole lot of variance in what he was doing then to what he's doing now. Yeah. I mean, the higher volume, like you said, it is in a weird way, even if he's doing the same thing, the the higher volume is welcomed. Like it's, it's a great yes. thing to see because I also think that's a sign of confidence. Like that mm-hmm. is a sign of the confidence growing that you're saying like, okay, I, I can still get my shots and, um, you know, make it, make a good impact and, and, I've liked everything I've seen. Like, there's nothing that I've been like, oh, this is a negative. Agreed. Agreed. I think some sometimes the shots, like he took a couple shots that I, I think we were even joking in those ceilings. You might have even sent it or someone sent it. And I, I was like, yeah, that, that was the one getting around on the internet on Twitter. People were like, oh, Victor, you taking that? It was like the one-footed runner behind the three-point line where it was you never know if he's something. trying to get fouled or something. Yeah, or something. <laughs> or, you know, trying to reinvent the game of basketball. But – He's he's doing exactly what he should be doing. He is he is getting higher volume. He's putting up big numbers. The numbers are going to keep getting the attention. I don't care, you know, who he's playing against. As long if if he's putting up those big numbers, it's going to carry some weight. Mm-hmm. Um, and it should. And it should a hundred percent. Like it, it, Alperin Shangun, I loved him as an international prospect. People were clowning the competition that he was going up against. And it was at one point, the numbers carry too much weight. If you're that young and you're putting up an impressive enough numbers, people are going to be talking, people are going to be buying that you can, you know, somehow make that translate. And I think with Victor, we're seeing all the tools. I feel like he's a little bit more fluid with, you know, sometimes with the ball in his hands. And I think it's mainly just, you can see the confidence. Like he understands, you know, cause also playing in the EuroLeague, if you, make a couple mistakes, they might pull you out. And and he might have that in his head now of like, I'm the guy. I, they're going to play me. They're going to play me big yeah, minutes. That's why I'm here. Him. Yeah, exactly. So um, it's just a different mentality and you love to see it early on. It's very, very early, but this is the, what you want to see. And this is what we've been talking about. We, I just want him to be healthy all year. I yep. want, I don't want to get a, you know, a notification of Victor's out for four weeks with a knee tweak. I'll be like, Oh boy, here we go. But, um, what else you got? What else did you think? Yeah. And I, I, I hope I'm not coming across too negative because I, I know I kind of am to some extent, but it's so much of it is based on how expectations for him are being mm-hmm. set. And I love him. I think he's an incredible player. I, he, you know, he's number two on my board right now. He'll he very easily could be one, you know, come July, got a long time to go, but when people talk about him as an MVP and generational and hall of famer already, 
for me, that carries a lot more weight than just a play finisher on offense. That carries someone who can create their own shot, who can create shots for others. Now, he has occasional passing flashes that are like, holy shit, that was cool. Um, But they're few and far between a lot of the times. And the shot creation for himself, not a whole lot there. It's exclusively play finishing. He's an incredible play finisher. But when we talk about Hall of Famer and MVP and number one guy on a title team, that threshold is so fucking small especially the number one guy on the title team. And just from what he's showing now, and yes, I know he's just 17 or 18, like he's not even in the NBA yet. I'm not seeing that yet from him. So right now I'm just kind of seeing him as one of the world's best number two guys. And that's still an incredibly small pool of talent. And I hope that doesn't come across as an insult or that I'm trying to diminish what he is as a player or who he even could become, because I'm not ruling out that he could get there. I'm just saying that from what he's showing as an on-ball scorer and just the versatility of his offensive game. I'm not seeing that number one dominant. I'm going to single-handedly take over this game and win this playoff game for my team. I love this because I, I feel like me and you're going to just be obsessed with the the breakdown of Victor throughout the entire year. And, I, and I've talked to you about this before. I've said this on the air. I feel like Victor is going to be a phenomenal case study for mm-hmm. anyone that yes. wants to get into scouting. If you want to get better as an evaluator, Victor is going to be a fantastic case study. And, you know, I, I, um, I'm going to be, I want to do a lot of Victor content for obvious reasons this year, but I also want to do like with you, I want to do a lot of video breakdowns. I want to just be obsessed with like seeing how his games progress because I agree with you. It is September 20th. We're recording this. Yes. Putting it out tomorrow on the 21st. As you guys probably should have guessed right now. He's not ready to be a number one right now, obviously. Right, People should right. realize that. He's not getting drafted and you're giving him force-fed like touches every single night. He has the three-point shot that looks really, really good. It looks good now. And he has the finishing plays. I like how you worded that. He can. He's a really good job of like finishing you know, plays when it comes to like shots around the basket and stuff like that. He's got to get that in between game. And I'm not talking about like getting the ball in the post, shooting a fadeaway. He's got to get that mid middle game. He's got the two level scoring. And if you want to call one of them, like he's got the three point shot and he can finish around the basket. Now he's got to be become a creator because at the NBA level, when your first look's not there and it ain't going to be there your rookie year with a lot of rookies, like you mm-hmm. have to figure out another way. Now, We've seen he's fallen in love with the fadeaway. I understand why. If you're seven four with an eight foot wingspan and you can move, possible it's to block. Very hard to block that shot. But you just got to get some more stuff off the dribble. And we're not saying he hasn't shown anything. I'm just right. saying he. That's something I'm going to watch all year. Like I want to get to a point where I've watched all of his games last year, and I want to see the progression in every area. Because this is going. We're going to be. I'm going to be obsessed with this. I think this is going to be such a cool exercise because of the prospect he is and watching Chet last year. And now this is a whole another ball game. Cause you're getting a guy that's potentially going to be four inches taller and, and you know, it's going to be awesome. But um, I think he's off to a great start Metcalf. And I know <laughs> these are preseason games. I see the same highlights on one of the highlights. I swear I was like, he's, 
he looks like he's a foot taller than everyone else on the court at that moment. Like in the lane, someone threw up a floater and I was like, that guy looks like he was five, five. I understand it. It's preseason, but I, this is the confidence builder. He mm-hmm. needs to be flying, soaring high with confidence throughout the entire year. And this is, this is why he made that move. This is why probably someone got in his head and said, Hey, get away from there, go put up numbers. And, um, It'll be fascinating to find out the reasons why when we start asking around, but you know, it's September. Can I, can I, I need to let NBA guys and scouts enjoy their trips and vacations no. a little bit. No, no, come on. No time off. No, like, <laughs> if I bugged them throughout the summer, they would send me nasty text messages <laughs> back. But, um, so he's still number two for you. I understand. I still got him at one. Um, and like the, the, the gulf between Scoot and him isn't astronomical. Like the, these two guys are clearly in a tier of their own for me. And, you know, Scoot's just a step ahead at this moment. Um, but something that did really encourage me with Victor, uh, was part of his defense and, you know, the shot blocking is still just fucking incredible. His ability right. to like contest with this right. And then as a ball handler just then he just like switches to his left and palms it's like oh okay well that was incredibly easy for you um i thought the perimeter footwork was still a mess Mm -hmm. but i was really encouraged that when guys you know we we talked about how frequently he would turn his hips and get narrow and guys would be able to lower their shoulder into his hip and just send them like four feet that is a lot more difficult for guys to do now and he his base looks a lot stronger. And there was there were there's one game, um, I forget which one, but the the ball handler tried it a couple times and you know got got to the restricted area, lowered his shoulder, hit him right in the hip. You know, Victor wasn't in this awesome low balance stance. He was a little upright, but he barely moved. You know, he took a step, recovered, blocked the guy's shot. It's like, oh, okay, cool. You are getting stronger, you're not overloading your frame with a tremendous amount of weight, but you're adding functional strength where you need it. And you're improving on something that, you know, I just watched you get kind of abused with three, four months ago. So that, that part was really encouraging for me. Yeah. I I mean, the defense flashes and and everything you're seeing is, is still fantastic. I love it. Um, you know, their, their schedule's rolling right right along. They play Friday. Um, they play t- Friday, Tuesday, Friday for anyone out there. Um, gotta, gotta love the international game because that's why some seasons start early. But, you know, it, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see just kind of what he does throughout the whole year um, because we're going to be watching him just – extremely closely compared to other guys like obviously with scoot and all of the big names that are getting buzzed right now towards the top three top five we're going to be obsessing over them that's what we do at no ceilings nba.com it's absolutely free plug metcalf i'm getting back i got it back <laughs> first plug within 20 minutes but uh i'm pumped i i i'm starting to see what i want to see and, and i'm this is going to be such a damn fun class like i, I really do believe it um let me ask. Let me hit you with something. Yeah, you can add anything to his game right now. Anything, like one area where you're just like you, you can add it, and you're watching his film, and you're just like, oh, that's beautiful. Like, what what would it be? Um, perimeter defense that is like Evan Mobley esque. 
Like I, you I just him love to... the footwork. That, that's I, I can't help myself. I can't help myself. <laughs> if, if if he defended on the perimeter like Evan Mobley did, then it'd be like, okay, this this is over. Um, yeah, because you know, I, I I do think his rim protection is very very similar to Chet and how the what you know just how he uses kind of angles and his length and his ability to kind of just locate the ball and turn it away it's special it's his shot blocking and rim protection is really exciting but he's going to be forced to play on the perimeter a lot and i think he's going to get exposed a lot you know a lot of young guys do but if he moved like evan mobley moves on the perimeter it'd be like oh holy shit so that that would probably be my one. What what about you? You know, I want to say something like Giannis's downhill ability, but I would probably I just want him to have a little handle off the bounce to create yeah. like that shot cuz I think he looks like a guy that could be very vicious in the mid-range. <clears throat> Excuse me, a little cough. That wasn't fake. Um like if he could just get a setup move to create that little pull up. And I'm, I, I, I was dancing around saying this, if he could do what Durant does in the mid range, yeah. which I could say that. about no, that, 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 That's exactly what I was picturing as you were saying. I know. Just like the little jab step rock. Yes. Like know, he just needs a couple. Back, yeah. Yeah. Like he just needs like the, the two, like 2k, just like getting the basic, like move set, like, you know, off the dribble, but, I just feel like if that he could add that with a consistent footwork for like his pull-up game, that'd be unlocking another weapon, another animal. But um, okay, we, are we good with our Victor check-in? We're gonna have I, to do this all year. We are. So okay. we'll talk about it numerous times. Um, so as exciting as the Victor news was, um, we also got some less than exciting news uh, out of. A relatively big name prospect in Imani Bates who got mm-hmm. pulled over and I believe arrested for uh felony gun charges. Um not ideal. Not so ideal. you know I I you know we're not here to talk about the validity of the stop or whether they were his guns or not. Um regardless he was driving the car in which the guns were in and I, I don't even care so much about that it's more so it's just another thing being added to what's becoming a very long list of concerning trends yeah i mean we're we're not we're not going to judge a kid for what happens to him there's always a legal process there's always stuff that's going to come out there's always he said she said they said you know i i i'll wait i'll always wait to make a a verdict about someone. And also these kids are, you know, we're forgetting that uh, Paul Mancaro got pulled over at the beginning of the season with, you know, coach K's kid. We forget about that stuff. Like it, these are guys are teenagers. Stuff happens. Shit happens in life. Um, obviously the, the bigger picture here that deserves all the attention. And I think we, me and Mick have had to introduce why we're talking about it. So like, let's get away from that. The bigger picture here is, it's just the, the overhype train. Yeah. And we've been talking about this. We've been hinting about this in previous episodes and, and this is what I fucking hate 
And yep. excuse my language for everyone out there, but this is, I hate this. We, we, we pencil these high school kids, 16 years old. They're just trying to get to college, play basketball, chase their dream. All of a sudden we put them as the next Kevin Durant, the next LeBron James. The, why can't they just be Imani Bates? Like what, what if, if we didn't put him through this just ridiculous platform to live up to this hype, things might've changed for him, but instead it was this, this kid that's supposed to be the superstar. The next thing um, declares and goes to enrolls at Memphis early. They try to play him as a point. Doesn't work out. Has the weirdest transfer process of all time. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of stuff to find out yeah. about that. And it, it, it's a sad situation. I'm rooting for him. Hope he figures it out. I hope this gets swept, you know, not swept on the rug, but I'm saying I hope this gets behind him someone gets on his shoulder and is like, I got you. Let's, let's, let's go. Let's get back on this. And it sucks. Absolutely sucks. Cause I mean, we were talking about him at no ceilings. We were, we were trying to do a little project and all of a sudden Imani got brought up and we were just like, Ooh, we all started just sitting around talking and it's tough because we were all, everyone's been drooling about what he was supposed to be, but it was like, why did we have to live this kid up to these ridiculous expectations that not every teenage kid can, can reach let them just play basketball we'll figure it all out when they get to college yeah so i so i i just got done with uh the honest book by mirin fader awesome book highly recommend but one of the lines towards the end of it was when he was talking about how his dad kind of introduced him to basketball and it was you know his dad didn't try to teach him and try to force him to love the game he just gave him a ball and let him figure out his love for the game on his own and I just love that so much because so many times we see these kids get a glimpse of like, oh, shit, this kid could be something. And we immediately turn that into, oh, he's a Hall of Famer. He's the next LeBron. He's the next Kevin Durant. He's the next, you know, Joe Namath, the J- Joe Montana. It's like, no, like he's 14. Can we let the kid be 14 and just get better? Maybe he doesn't like it as he gets older but now you've pigeonholed him into doing just this thing for his entire life and if he doesn't then he's failed you in his eyes i'm not saying that's what imani's going through that's more of just a broad generalization but since he was 14 15 16 years old imani's been thrown on the cover of magazines as you know the next chosen one you know the next great thing and that affects kids mindsets you know whether you want to admit it or not it has an effect and it has an effect on those around these kids and it just creates really bad atmospheres and it sucks because at one point he was an incredibly talented kid and yes he still got a lot of talent I thought what he showed on the basketball court last year was disastrous. Um, not very sugarcoated, obviously. I thought it was really bad. And the, we have a project coming out, and I pushed pretty heavily against including him in it. Um, I lost out on that. And it was like, well, what has he done on the basketball court? Let's ignore all the off-court things and there have been a lot of them that I've heard that and almost none of them are flattering let's just focus on the basketball what has he done in the last two years it's like okay this kid still has it and I don't know 
And, and for everyone listening, I don't want it to seem like Metcalf was just like told, like, go away. I, I think there was, it, it, we were all ha- on the fence about it with yes, this project yes, yes, we had yes, coming yes. out. We were all like, like it was, we were rattling through guys, like who we wanted to talk about. And then all of a sudden it got to him and it, it was a pause. And everyone's like, I don't know. And there was some yeses, there was some no's. And, um, and, that'll, and that'll I, be something you know, we revisit, but it, just... it, it, it might be. But like at, yeah. at that moment, like it was optimism won out because we all remember what he, what he, how good he looked. Yeah, and right, right. It's like okay, well, maybe that was just a really bad year. Maybe he can refine that joy, that competitiveness, that shot making, the ball handling, the space creation, like this fun offensive dynamic player that he showed two, three years ago that made the internet and the basketball world be like, Oh God, this kid is fun. He could be something, you know, I think it was us clinging to that optimism of maybe he can still find that. And maybe he can still can. I really hope he can, but based on what we've seen from him and his camp in the last 12 to 15 months, um, I'm unfortunately not, you know, I'm not going to hold my breath on it and it sucks. And the funniest thing is, and I always feel this way when we're getting into philosophy now, but this is what I'm talking about. First of all, um, I'll stay with Imani. When you have a prospect, and this happened with our discussion about him, and you have to keep saying, well, maybe it was this. Maybe it was this. Maybe it was maybe it was the bad system. Maybe it just wasn't the right fit. Maybe putting him as a point guard was a bad idea. Maybe he just needs to play this if you keep listing stuff that it was like, maybe this was you're running the wrong argument. Like you're going to lose that argument. Cause now you're just rattling off like, well, this went wrong, but maybe it was just a bad year. You know, he, he was a bad defender. His shot was terrible, but maybe he'll fix it. It's like, well, you're listing 30 things he needs to fix in one year. So you can run into some problems. And I'm not just saying that about Imani. I'm saying that about a lot of guys and the other hype thing. This isn't just with Imani. No, Killian Hayes had this happen. All of a sudden, someone puts him at number one, and everyone in the world was like, "Whoa, who's this Killian Hayes guy that's number one on a pick board?" And we will watch him, and and then everyone's saying, "It looks like the next James Harden." Why? Why did we have to put this realistic, unrealistic expectations? And I was against Killian Hayes. I was, I was like, "Hey, I don't believe in all the hype." Good luck to everyone. I, I hope he. I hope I'm wrong. I still like him as a player, as a potential rotation asset, but to put him up to this expectations of being a potential number one pick in a draft class, it was like, we've already created this world for this kid that might not seem realistic. And now, you know, I understand if people do the work to to get that verdict, but you know, that's, that's for another episode, but you know what yeah. I'm just saying, Metcalf, like it, it, I do feel like when it comes out of nowhere and we put these just chaotic, insane expectations on young kids, we don't realize what it could do to each of them. Not everyone's going to hit it and be like, I got to work harder. I got to, you know, no pressure. And my time's coming. A lot of kids are going to be feeling the pressure and hearing the outside noise. And it's just, it's just crazy. It's wild. Yeah, and like you know, I, I I really hope that this doesn't come across as us rooting against or being down no. on Amani or anything. It's more just, it's more us attacking the internet, which will always go well, and all you know, with the, that'll obviously work. 
But yeah, it works really with, well. <laughs> I, I I hope Imani can figure it out. I hope he can find that joy in basketball that he ha- once had because it feels like it's gone. Um, and I really hope it's not. I hope he can find a coach or a teammate or just something that sparks that again because he at one point there was a reason he was being given these expectations even though they were ridiculous to put on a 14 year old there was a reason for him is because he had awesome size awesome length awesome skill really promising shot making potential there's still that player in there who can be a good player and we've seen guys come up come through stuff before and you know be better on the other side hopefully this you know six months seven months two years from now hopefully we ju- we get to add his name to that list of God, just and think back of where Imani was and where he is now. Um, so ruin for him. Hopefully he gets this figured out. Um, it doesn't sound like Eastern Michigan is going to play him until the legal proceedings have been concluded. Um, at least I believe that's what I saw on Twitter. If I have that wrong apologies, but it, it may be a while, unfortunately, until we see him back on the basketball court. Yeah, we, we, we root for everyone. Everyone should know that by now. If this is your first time here at No Ceilings, you should know Ely. Everybody love everybody. We root for every single prospect to succeed. If we are not high on a guy, we're rooting for them to prove us wrong. We we do not ever root for someone. Never. Um, it, it's just not part of what we do. And everyone on our staff would agree with that. It's not like we just because we don't like a prospect doesn't mean we're not still like rooting for them to be, to do good. It's just like, Hey, I don't see it. All right. Not my, not my cup of tea, but with Imani, you know, it was just this whole off season. Um, you just kept saying, where's Imani going to go? Where's Imani going to go? And then all these teams were just like, no one was interested. And you're like, Oh boy. And then, you, and then you heard he was going home and I was like, Oh, could get bad and and sometimes it's good but most of the times that's not good a great sign when you're going back um but i hope we're wrong i hope he gets it all figured out i hope he you know it just sucks but i i i, I really am rooting for him i hope he turns it around absolutely well the, the other piece of news in the uh in the draft world is the NBA is considering lowering the entry age into the NBA draft from 19 to 18. So, Rucker, what implications do you think that could have? Um, I'm intrigued. Um, the, the, the part about this is it makes sense. And then when they came out and they said they wouldn't, it wouldn't really do anything to the one-and-done rule, I was like, huh. Yeah. Like, that was the the... That was the, I, I understand it. I, I, I'm, I feel like there's another move coming from the league. It makes a ton of sense is if they adapt a complete minor league system, which is what they've been doing with the G League. And that's what they should have been doing. And, and it would be the smartest thing they could do is just have it. So it's like, hey, well, you could draft the guy. But you can't play, you can't bring him up. You gotta train him for. Say you drafted a eighteen year old, whatever, or whatever. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, hey, he's got to be a one and done still, and maybe he's out of high school or something. And it's like, well, you can't play him this year, but you can develop him in the G League for a year. That makes some sense. 
that also would make a lot more fans come watch the G League. And there's your revenue increase. And there's the more fan interest. And that makes a lot of sense to me. But um, it was just funny because when they announced it, I was like, oh. And then I saw some yes. some tweet posts about um, like, oh, it's time. And it was a picture of Bronny. And I was like, oh, gosh, is that why <laughs> I realized that it would be literally that year it starts? So I was like, OK, I was about to go. I would have gone on a war path. I would have just said, Metcalf, don't show up to the podcast. I, I, I got this one. <laughs> just going on a rant for an hour. But um, what about you? What do you think? We haven't talked about this. I was actually excited to talk to you about this topic. Yeah. So I, the, my, my hesitation with, uh, you know, being like, oh, all right, we're, we're going back to high schoolers straight into the league right. is, okay, that's something that has to be collectively bargained. And what that means is that the Players Association has to agree on that. And yes. what that means is that established players with a job have to agree to increase the pool of guys who can come in and take their job. Yes. I don't see that being something NBA players are like, yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Cause my career is, you know, on thin ice already. So what, why not bring in an Uber athletic kid who's super cheap and just is potential only and who knows. And you know, they can easily ship me off to Europe. I don't, I, I don't see that happening anytime soon. So my, my, my other takeaway from that is, oh, okay, maybe this makes it a little easier for the widening pool of international talent to get over to the NBA a little bit quicker. So I think we're going to see, start seeing some of these, you know, talented kids from Europe and Africa, you know, and other places start coming over maybe a year earlier than they would have. Um, this means we could have gotten Luca a year earlier. We could have gotten Victor this last year. So I, I think we could start seeing some of that. And then the other place it took me that you kind of mentioned was this kind of feels like one of the first steps towards the NBA adopting sort of an academy system. We know that Adam Silver is a big fan of the European soccer styles and the way that they have their multiple you know, domestic cups and in-season tournaments, and he's trying to implement some of that. I think another step in the direct in a direction for these teams to have even more player control is to have these academy systems where they're bringing these kids up and they're not going through these AAU systems. They're not going through college. They're going straight into these teams and their G leagues developmental systems. You know how the framework of this necessarily looks. Who knows? This is all obviously speculation. I'm not reporting anything. I don't know anything, but this was kind of the sense I got where it's like, Oh, okay. Now these NBA teams could be getting these kids a year earlier and developing them a little more hands-on. And why doesn't it make sense for these teams to have even more player control and pitch it as, Oh, we're giving these younger kids an opportunity to get the best coaching, get the best training, be put on the right path to get into the NBA as soon as possible while also getting paid. So that's the way I've kind of viewed this as a step towards a potential academy system where these NBA teams have longer player control uh, and it allows the NBA to kind of start marketing these players a little more. I think they've seen some of the effects that, you know, the, that OTE has had on like social media and all that stuff. 
Um, the G League Ignite, I think, has been a success. I think it's been a really good kind of trial run for this type of thing. And I think they're just going to kind of keep probing in that direction of how do we get more talent into our system and under our control as soon as possible? And how can we market it? How can we profit off of it? And how can we continue to build on the ever-growing amount of talent that's entering the league? Yeah, I, I you know, the international route would be brilliant i i think you're spot on with that little hunch um it'd make a lot of sense to be getting a lot of those guys that are really young and you could all of a sudden start kind of getting the exact the international vibe where they just groom players in their system their academies for a couple of years I, I I really do think if they go the route of like trying to make this so that the g league is now you're your minor league official system. Every team has a team. You can, I mean, maybe you add another round of the draft. I, I, I really don't think that would be that ridiculous either. Maybe you're added another round. I don't know. But um, there's a lot of interesting wrinkles that I'm like, I'm waiting for that next big announcement of like, okay, what's the vision here? And it's exciting because this is, yeah. This makes uh, the NBA, there's a humongous opportunity for the NBA to really grow their product and not just like growing the G League. Now you're going to potentially make the product of basketball even better because all of the rosters, you're going to have all these young pieces in the wings that you're you're training to get ready to, to really hit the ground running. I love the idea of the NBA saying, no, don't go play in the other leagues or – your AAU program first come right. Let us train you for a year. Let us get you ready for the NBA. I love that idea because you want to make guys successful. Um, I'm all for it. I was just shocked when they were like, no, it, it's not eliminating the one and done. And I was like, okay, you're onto yeah. something here, Adam. And, and you're spot on Metcalf. Like he has been very smitten on the international thing. I'm like silver, I need you to calm down before you try to move every team to Europe and just be like, okay, there goes the NBA. But um, I'm very excited to see what the future announcements are. I loved it at first. All right. Well, before we get into mailbag questions, um, I want to do just a little draft philosophy talk. Uh, given our time, let's only hit one of them. So I'm, I'm going to give you your pick. Um of of the two that I sent over to you, um, do you want to talk about kind of how you value a, a prospect shooting and at what point does it start to skew your evaluation or becoming a glaring weakness? Or would you rather talk about how you kind of judge, judge or value, you know, quote unquote, understanding of the game? Um, and, you know, that just is kind of in relation to all of this bullshit with you know, quote unquote, Giannis doesn't know the game crap that spewed up the other week. Yeah. Shout out agent zero. Um, let's do that one because I feel like if, when you sent me that one, I was like, Metcalf might be brewing a little bit of a heater on that topic. So I kind of want you to start it off. And then I feel like if you steer in the right direction, I might explode on it because I, I literally, I was like the first one. I was like, Oh yeah, that's a pretty good one. And then I saw a second, I was like, uh-oh, Metcalf might be choosing <laughs> violence with this episode. So, yeah, let me know what you got. Oh, just for starters. So, and th th those comments could not have been more asinine. Like, 
Like, are you fucking kidding me? Um, the tr- trying to frame Giannis as not understanding the game just because he happens to be one of the most physically gifted players to ever touch foot on an NBA floor is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen. Um, but that's not what the whole point of this is. It's, you know, how, how do you judge or value, you know, basketball IQ and understanding of the game? And for me, it's something that I always lean on really heavily. And it's whenever I think of, do I want someone who understands the game really highly or a freak athlete? Obviously, you want a mix of both worlds. But I always lean towards more towards the mental aspects because obviously you can't teach athleticism necessarily. But I think if you have these freak athletes, but they don't understand necessarily how to play, how to rotate on defense, where the ball needs to go, um, where they need to rotate to, how where to cut, how to rebound, all those little things, I, I think it's a pretty steep fall off. Or I, I think it becomes more difficult for those guys to necessarily stick in the league. Whereas if you get these guys who are, you know, mediocre athletes, but they had they understand the game at such a high level, they may not be the number one overall pick. But I would bet on them having a much longer and more, you know, impactful career than just the freak athletes. Yeah, I think if you understand the game, um, you're gonna you're gonna find yourself atop my big board very easily. Like just um, the Tyrese Halliburton, yes, that's exactly like, <laughs> like Scotty Barnes and Tyrese Halliburton, when yes. I saw some stuff they did, they could do on the basketball court with, with their vision, their awareness, their understanding. I, I didn't give a shit about the shot. I just said yeah. that, that that is going to be – he's going to play 10 years in the league because of what he can do on the rest of the court. Because I always think if you are a – if you can stick in the league, like if you can – if you can hang, I'm just putting it this way. I, I promise I'll make sense. If you can hang in most of the areas, but you're just a brilliant basketball mind, you're going to play for a long time. Yeah. Because you, like Metcalf said, you don't have to be the number one pick, but you're going to be a coach's dream. Teams are going to want you because they're going to be like, that guy's going to make a play for us because he knows what the defensive rotation is supposed to be, what supposed to happen in crunch time minutes, you know, every little detail, like uh, foul situations, what's the situation in the game, two minutes left, what's going on, just awareness and basketball IQ, I'll always take. I will give me that guy every day. I mean, it's the reason why guys like Luka and Jokic and um, Shangun, just like Shangun was, I loved watching him. And this is a great understanding of the game guy. Shangun, I watched an international game. or I think maybe it was just when he was playing with Turkey. And a guy on the other team was just kicking their ass. And Shangun was on the bench. And he comes in. And I think in like the first three possessions, got the guy they fouled him twice. The guy had to go sit out. His team goes on, or Shangun's team goes on a big run. And it was just understanding. I was like, he's... My this guy's killing us. I gotta get him out of the game. Goes in, gets two quick fouls on him. I think like Turkey went on like a 12-2 run or something with that guy going to the bench. And it was just like understanding of like, let me work to get to the free throw line, get this guy out of the game. But that's just the little details. So um I'll always take the like you're saying, like 
the the lesser athlete with the higher basketball IQ because you're going to find a way for him to work. Um, Malcolm Brogdon's even another guy. I think he just plays the game beautifully and understands where to go. And I'm, that's not a Boston Celtics, you know, biased answer because I haven't even seen him play a game with the Celtics yet. But you understand what I'm saying, Metcalf. Um, and, and I love Arenas. Um, I love him as a player. Uh, Agent Zero, yeah. former Arizona Wildcat. Um, got paid. Um, but when he said that, I was like, does everyone realize that Giannis knows that he can just go down the court and dunk? <laughs> like <laughs> there's an understanding of him of like, if I just do an in and out dribble and use my length, I'm going to dunk on everyone. I can do this all the time. And it's like, why, just, why are we punishing him for understanding of like, yeah, I'm built like a, a Greek God. Like, let me just use my length and tools to make life a lot easier for me. So, and just also completely ignored everything he does on defense. And, <laughs> and like you're talking about getting guys in fouls and doing that, controlling the game that way, racks up plenty of those. Seems pretty, you know, high IQ to me, but who am I? Was, was, here's a good one for you. Which statement was worse? Was it the Harden saying that Giannis had no talent? Because he's seven foot, or was it Arena saying that he doesn't understand the game? And I understand what um, Arenas was trying to say because I feel like yeah. he had to do another interview because he just got annihilated in media. And then I feel like I heard the second I, one and I was I like, he's the, better. I believe in the same conversation. Um, it was a while, or I, I believe in that same conversation. He still said that he had Giannis as like the second best player in the league. So, yeah. you know, that obviously gets left out because the other part gets the attention and headlines morons like us talking about it. Um, but no, I, I think the Harden ones more egregious. It's like he has no talent. Like he has no skill. Like what the fuck are you talking about? You have to have skill to be seven foot and move like that. That's exactly what, but, um, so, so the, the, during the draft process, the, the, the phrase, Oh, he's got a high basketball IQ. Oh, he's just a smart player. There's always race undertones that go with it. Now, obviously, we neither of us view it that way, but the general public tends to. And, you know, whenever, dur- you know, during draft coverage or anything, it's, oh, sneaky athlete or high motor, you know, all that shit that we've all seen and made fun of on Twitter throughout the years. So when you're actually scouting these guys and you're watching a college game, what what does a guy do where it makes you be like, oh, OK, he's he gets it? So like like for like with Tyrese Halliburton, just for example, what were some of the things that he did that weren't like the flashy highlight assists or anything like that that made that made you go like, okay, he he just gets this at a different level than everyone else. It's just like situational to me also. Um when it comes to like understanding what's ahead of you in a fast break, understanding when to push and the defense is asleep and you have a a window or understanding of if I attack this spot, my teammates can be wide open on this side. Also making a pass to uh, hockey assists or something that always stand out to me when a guy will make a pass knowing it's a dead giveaway when a guy will pass and point like where he's like the next pass. Like I, I know some guys might be selling it, but I also could, you could see it on multiple games. Usually when they do that, it's funny, like watching guys away from the ball 
I found evaluating is a really good little trick. Yeah. Because they'll, they'll get eager. Like the ones that know the game, they'll get eager. They'll be like, it's going to go there. And, and it's just funny. You could see the, the awareness and vision with guys really pop. And, and that's what really makes me think like a basketball IQ is, is standing out. Um, the defensive rotations, knowing where to go after talking, um, just being a step ahead, like understanding that the game is is playing to your speed right now, and you're and you might be a move ahead of everyone. But that that's what really pops to me. What about you, Metcalf? You got anything that I haven't mentioned? No, I'm like weak side defense is a big one for me. Just how like I remember Tyrese Halliburton was one of those guys where he could cover the entire weak side defense. Yes or the entire weak side of the floor by himself. And, you know, he's rotating between three guys and just like, it's like he's in the ball handler's mind and just reading what he wants to do. Um, Communication on defense is a big one for me, whether they're off ball or like in a pick and roll and talking to their guy, um, you you know, the, the really good drop defenders, you see them talking to their guards constantly in those situations. Um, And then, yeah, just the cutting, the relocations uh, for shooters and scorers, and then the the extra passes, like you said. I mean, just when when a guy receives a kick out on a wing, immediately kicks it to the top of the key, and then is pointing to the opposite corner, like as the ball's leaving his hand, it's like yes, like you you, you know exactly where that ball needs to be, and you're just I making sure it. your teammates know know too. Um, yeah, so just kind of that that stuff and so much of it is it never shows up in the box score and it's one of those things where you really have to for me at least um i i just really have to watch like a full game of a guy and just hone in solely on him because if i some of my least favorite games to watch are like the duke versus kentucky's where there are nine guys going into the fucking draft and i'm supposed to watch all of them i'm like i i can't get any nuances for anyone's game here it's like oh he got hot tonight. Cool. Looks good. Um, but, you know, it's like the, the games like when it, Tyrese Halliburton was at Iowa State. And it's Iowa State versus Kansas State. And Tyrese is the only guy going into the draft. It's like, cool. Get to watch 40 minutes of Tyrese Halliburton. Awesome. Right. Love it. So, yeah, it's just just the little nuances that I. it's one of the things I love. But I, I think we'll save the other one for another episode we have a bunch of mailbag questions so rucker if you have those up start start hitting me with some um okay here we go we'll see we'll, we'll, what's up no just i you know just given time i think we're only going to run through a handful and then we'll save whatever ones we didn't get to for next episode um, how's your, uh, Mac conference, uh, knowledge right now, Metcalf, or do you want me to oh, God. buy you some time? Uh, someone's really, really, we, I know I'm about God, to throw you fucking weeds already. No. Okay. I'll, I'll start somewhere else. All right. All right. Everything calves through that. We're going to have to come back to it later today. We'll start with Maxwell, who is just a real, um, real great guy. Maxwell at uh, no ceilings. He had a piece out today. Um, you guys should have gone and checked it, but Maxwell wants to know who do you think will be the first senior taken in the 2023 draft? Is there anyone out there you could see making an Ochai Abaji style leap? So I, I don't see an Abaji or Duarte type leap necessarily. Like I had Abaji in my top 20, like heading into the season. Um, Jaime Hawkes, I think is the name. 
uh, is a guy who could kind of sneak into, not necessarily sneak for a lot of people, um, but who could go in the first round. Um, I, I really You're like Adam settling, I'm a little shocked at Houston. We have a problem. Oh, is he a senior? Yeah, isn't he? Marcus Sasser, is he really? He's a senior. Or did he get a year? No. Did I he get a year? With, with COVID and red shirts and I thought he was like a junior. Oh, he's played three years. Yeah, so he's going into his senior year. He okay. So he was going to be a senior last year and then he got hurt? Uh, So, no, t- t- 2021-22. So last season uh, where he played 12 games was his third year. So his junior year. Um, So, you know, he... Technically, he's going into his senior year. Yeah, I, I like that one. I, I, I think he's um, he has a real good shot to to launch up draft boards, and I, I was pleasantly shocked that he uh, withdrew his name from last year's draft. Yeah, I think I think Sasser would be my number one answer. Um, Hame would have to be just going cuckoo mode this year, which he could. Um, to have that big of a jump, I think, yeah. but McCuller maybe, but McCuller would have mm-hmm. to have a heck of a year. I don't know. He would really have to shoot it. He would have to shoot the crap out of the ball. Um, then I, I think the other one, um, Baylor Sharman going into his fourth year. Well, if I oh, here we go. Well, dude. that was one of our questions. Right, Hold cool. on, Metcalf. Um, from our, our Rutgers boy, um, how do you see transfer guys? And then Shireman's one of the examples. And Mosley performing on high major teams. Do any of them jump into the first round consideration with good play? Do we think Shireman's the the standout one, or do you have any uh, off the top? I, I, I guess McCuller we just brought up. Uh, yeah, I, I think McCuller and Shireman are the top two. McCuller is going to be on. He's going to get a lot of press because he's at Kansas. Um, so he'll get plenty of TV time. Huge fan of Kevin McCullers. Uh, I think Shireman, if that Crane team really challenges for the Big East and, you know, makes a run in the tournament, and he's a big reason why all season, it wouldn't surprise me um, if he creeps into the first round. Um, another name, guy who I really like is Eric Gaines, uh, transferred to UAB from LSU. Um, you like him? He's just fun. There's a lot of shit he does that pisses me off. Okay, but, well then, as long as you said that, like, then like, like he, I see it, but he he, I feel he, like I'm gonna have gray hair if I watch. Yeah, him. like he, he's far from perfect, but it, uber athletic. Um, I like if if he shoots, I, I think he could be a lot of fun. Um, and then you know, ma- mandatory shout out to Alex Fudge. Fudge is definitely Fudge is the wild card if he somehow just does some stuff. I'm gonna be in my feelings. Tyrese Hunter is probably a name I'll throw in there. Yes. Um, going to Texas. Um, trying to run through my list. But yeah, I think those are the ones I'm thinking of. Um, Ridvik Scouting. Shout out, Rick. Would a Westbrook revenge season or a Ben Simmons revenge season be better? Yeah. I was pumped getting this question. I was like, oh, Okay, we might talk for a little bit. Um, I'm going to be honest. And I hate the team. I, w- I want Westbrook to play so fucking good this year. I root for him so hard. I, I am root for Simmons, though, too. But I feel like if Simmons is good, the deaths are going to be just 
terrifyingly good. I I don't want Westbrook to be sent out to the pasture. And I feel like if he plays bad the first month, they're going to do it if he even gets the opening night on the Lakers team. What do you think? So, like, if Westbrook was – I'm just thinking from storyline potential here and content potential. Um, but, like, if LeBron finally started showing his age and AD struggled and Westbrook is out there playing like an MVP again and just carrying that Lakers team, it would be funny. Um but I, I, I kind of got to go with Ben Simmons. Um, I just, w- when he was right, his defense was freakish. Um, I've always been a KD apologist to some extent, huge Kevin Durant fan. And I, I would like to see him um, not have three straight years of hell in Brooklyn, even though it's a lot of it was of his own making. Um, so I, I, I think if Simmons is healthy and right, um, not, you know, not even necessarily shooting these, all these empty gym threes that we've seen for the last seven years, um, but just playing and just somewhat of himself. I think that next team could be really fucking good. I'm really rooting for Simmons to play good this year. Um, for every up and down reaction I've had, I'm rooting for the guy. I just want him to have a good season. I want him to have some joy in basketball. But Westbrook, I just – it's amazing going back and looking at, like, first of all, the fact that he averaged 18, 7, and 7 last year still yeah. shocks me. Um, what were those shooting the, splits? Yeah, uh, the shooting splits, not great. 44, <laughs> 29, 66. Um, what's even more impressive, last year was the first year since – 2009 that he averaged less than 20 a game, <laughs> which is just amazing. Yeah. Me. Um, so yeah, I, I'm rooting for both of them, but that's a great question. Um, I'm so rattled about just pronouncing people's names wrong. Yeah. So I don't, I'm just going to go back. Be. Yeah, exactly. Uh, our boy, Zachary, who just, you know, he's got, he's got the, who is it? Donald Duck diving into the coins in his photo, but uh, at Zach Draft, great guy. Um, he said, I've been hearing the Jet Howard hype from Mr. Metcalf, and I'm on board. Are we feeling him as a one and done guy? Metcalf, you're the Michigan man. I'm going to let you have this one. Yeah, I, I just finished my kind of dive into Jet Howard. Um, I, I'm all in. I Oh, my. Where? Give me a number. Um, oh, no. Where did you do it? <laughs> Oh Cur- no, he's getting nervous, folks. Currently twelve. Whoa! <laughs> You're gonna make me do a midnight Jet Howard film dive now? I so he he's still kind of rough around the edges, and like there's some things in his game that he needs to refine. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if he's not a one and done, where you know he just kind of has to adjust to the increased speed, size, athleticism, just all that that you know every young player has to adjust to. Um, so I, I'm kind of on the fence on if he's actually going to be a one and done, but this dude's going to play in the NBA. I, I think he's an awesome shooter, incredibly quick release, a uh, really physical driver, uh, got to the rim really easily, really strong. Uh, Michigan has him listed at six, eight two fifteen um, as a freshman, which is uh, nice. Um, 
showed some really impressive kind of passing flashes um, out of the drive. Not nothing of substance or like, oh, this guy could be a primary ball handler, but he pretty consistently split uh, split the double out of the pick and roll, got to the rim whenever he wanted. Um, I thought there was a lot of defensive versatility on ball that he has. He fell asleep a ton off ball and ball watched a lot, which, you know, is one of my big gripes with defenders. Um, but I imagine that his dad will uh, fix that pretty quickly. So I, I, I think he's got tremendous potential. Um, I threw out in the no ceiling chat uh, either today or the other day um, saying that he, I see a lot of OG and Anobi in him and that's a high bar. That's a hell of a player, but I, I, I think he's going to be a really good NBA player. I like that. All right. Now I'm actually going to end up doing a deep dive just because of that comment. Um, All right. Let, let's do one more and then we'll save the next for next episode. Come on. I get, I get, we're going to let the fans down. Um, um, I'll get, I'll get two more. Two more. Two more. Fine. Two more. Two more. Yes, sir. Um, we're going to do uh, Paige Otto. Shout out Paige. Paige knows, Paige knows hoops. Any sophomores you think are underrated that will climb up draft boards this year thank you Paige. good question you want to go um, or you want me to because i have i actually dog. have i was prepared sophomores underrated besides taryn armstrong um <laughs> <laughs> so you finally got it folks it, um, it took a second yeah <laughs> Underrated, underrated. Okay, Will, so you, you Will said Richard? Will, no, well, Will Richard Kaluma's probably not underrated at this point. Right? Yeah, and I, I'm kind of saying like the whole Creighton team. I, I love Nemhard, uh, Trey Alexander. Kaluma's probably gotten his due at this point and feels properly rated. Um, I know our boy Simon likes himself some Jaden Nunn. I need to watch a little bit more, She's but fun. I feel like. When I watched, I liked. He's he's a lot of fun. Um, Nolan Hickman. Love Nolan um, Hickman. He was one of my first names. I got anybody else? Oh, well, your boy Langston Love. Love Langston Love. Love Langston Love. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think those are some of my underrated ones. Um, I I really like Jaden Akins at Michigan State. Um. Adama I, I, Ball at Arizona is a wild card to kind of keep an eye on. Little nice guard. I think they're going to let run wild this year. I like his his game. He's got some nice upside either this year or next year. I think he's going to be one to watch out for. Sorry, Metcalf. What were you saying? Uh, just from Michigan State, J- Jaden Akins. I I really like him. Ooh, okay. Really good defender. Really quick. Uh, just kind of has to find some consistency with the shot, but I, I think he's a really good player. Um. Well, Kenneth's often junior fan account, aka Cannibal Serb. We kind of talked about the difference between high IQ and athleticism, or so I'm gonna pass on that one. Um, I got it. I'm gonna oh, a quick one. Okay, two more. One, two, one's a quick one. Uh, our boy OKC Skittles. Shout out OKC. He said, uh, any interesting Canadian prospects in the upcoming years? Um, 
feel like Elijah Fisher was getting some buzz. He's going to Texas Tech. Um, he's a five star out of Toronto. Who else? Who's this year? Who's the um, your your boy? <laughs> That's so Leonard, Leonard Miller. Here is your boy. Um, That's so mean. Other than Fisher, I gotta do the deep weave uh, OKC, but I will get back to you on that. Bug me all year. I, I love Canada. Tonight, Canada. Um, one more. We had a good one. We had a real good one. This is right up Metcalf Valley. Uh, from Drew Good and Suit. I have to mention that one. Um, there is a big returning class of upperclassmen bigs that could be potentially contending for National Player of the Year. Do you feel oh. like any of them are being undervalued in their NBA potential? Can you see any of them cracking the first round? Timmy, Shibway, Baycott, your boy TJD, or Hunter Dickinson? Um, so I, I did see that one earlier. and I knew it. And I knew it. Trace was the TJD only one. And you're like, oh. <laughs> Trace Jackson Davis was the only one that really stood out to me of like someone that's like, okay, if, if he actually shows that he's willing to take a jumper outside of four feet, um, then I, it wouldn't shock me if he moves into like the early second um, or even potentially first, if he shows a lot of success with the shot. Um, I'm not saying he has to be Carl Anthony Towns out there, but he's just been so completely unwilling to take a jumper his entire Indiana career that it is infuriating. I uh, love the athleticism, love the, you know, vertical spacing. I think he's a really solid defender too. Um, it's just, is he going to shoot or not? Because he's not the biggest guy and he's got to show some willingness to shoot. If he does, um, it makes me more intrigued about him. The rest of the guys, I just, I don't really see it in any other role besides like a, backup or third string big unfortunately uh maybe shibwe if he's in the right context just because he's such a freak rebounder um the other guys i'm not sure i necessarily see it tjd's like i know me and midcap have like an inside joke for everyone um that hasn't caught on yet. All you have to do is every time TJD has a good game, just tag Metcalf in the comments. Or, or don't do that. You, 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 no, also don't you have, have, to have to do, do it because it's no. an underrated joke. We have to do it. I was so happy when he said he was coming back because I was like, I'm going to ruin Metcalf's year for one more year. But it was funny because I feel like he was buzzing a little bit. And um, I talked to some people that were like, like I was really, I don't know. I was like, what? Okay. And then when he did, said he was going back, I was like, all right. So if he shows that he will at least attempt it and can make it, that that gets me excited about mm-hmm. a potential early second round guy that, yeah, I could see him creeping up because he has the tools to be a great rotation bench, like four yeah. or small ball five, because he just can do a lot of good stuff. But, um, the other those other ones are, are are tough because Timmy, I love Timmy. I I just the combine. I, I, I think he's just going to be. Like, I don't. Yeah, I think he's just going to be an incredible college player. And I that sounds like such a backhanded compliment, and I don't mean it too. But and you know what he's going to be doing? You know what he's going to be great at? He's going to get paid in the Euro League. Yeah, he's going to get paid. 
Um, and honestly, pr- probably Sheboy will too. Sheboy probably will too. Sheboy will have a shot. Baycott might have a shot, but but TJD has the best shot of all those guys to get that last missing ingredient of having a shot. Yeah. And I know people will say like, well, Sheboy has shown. No, no. <laughs> No one's drafting Sheboy to take 15, 18 footers. No. I, I, I would like Sheboy to. Like he could potentially. It's just. I, don't I know. would like Sheboy to call out a screen before first before he learns how to shoot. That, he's that a Terminator. You know? Well, he's, yeah, he's out there getting his point guards <laughs> killed. <laughs> he's going to put up some crazy numbers. He's, he's going to get like 30 rebound games yeah. this year. Um, but that's all I got, Metcalf. Everybody else. Um, We'll get to him next episode. Yeah, someone asked about Dylan Mitchell. I basically, um, that was uh, Jump Stop. We appreciate it. It's always fun reading out everyone's account, username. Um, Everything Cavs, we said we would give you someone in the Mac. I feel like a jerk because I didn't say it. Um, Imani Bates? (laughs) Too soon? No, I... I'm going to, you know what we're going to do? I'm going to make Maxwell answer that. Cause Maxwell's Maxwell's got a problem folks he, right now. He's I'm just like him. on the war path and I love Maxwell for it, but I'm also considering sending him to go see a, a shrink. Cause he is like, he's down a rabbit hole and I don't know if we can get him back. He's in the matrix. Um, Marcus Mathis, AKA Ben Canelo. He said, who's the best prospect regardless of draft class in high school. Cooper. Ooh. Boozer. Yeah, and it's one of them. <laughs> I, I haven't watched enough Boozer, but. Oh, and then the last question is uh, Cade Hill, aka future NBA exec. He said, What are your thoughts on Ray and Rupert and where can no, you essentially there you go. see his stock at the end of the year? I'll take this one because yeah. I, I have a good one. What's up? I really, really like him. Um, French wing, lengthy. His shot is the one thing that I'm thinking is going to hold him back from being a middle first round guy. Um, I really do believe that because um, he has some nice playmaking tools and defensively he looks like he's going to be a pest. Like he's just got vines for arms and he can move and he's got the anticipation and awareness. I really, really like the tools. The shot is the only thing I need to see to get defense, but he's playing. Um, He's going to be playing with the breakers in the NBL, I believe. I'm sorry if I'm wrong. I'm still finalizing my mind. Really excited to watch him. Um, I think he's he's got some good tools. So um, that's I'm trying to make sure that I was correct. Yes, he's going to be playing with the breakers. Six six guard, young from France. Everyone's from France this year. Um, Stephen Gillespie. We're not going to answer your question, and it's not because we don't love you, but me and Metcalf agreed that it was a good enough question that we're going to make an episode out of it. So we have to give you a shout-out because you're probably listening to this at 3.30 because you tweet it every time like a lunatic. And uh, we love you, though, and we really appreciate it. So, Metcalf, that's all I got. Thank you, everyone, for the fan questions. Me and Metcalf are going to make sure we do these way more often during the year because it's fun. Yeah, and – Obviously, if you guys ever have any questions, just send them our way. Um, if we don't answer them right away, we'll just warehouse them for an episode and get to them eventually. So, Rucker, this is a blast. Good to be back. Tell the people where they can find you. 
Um, I'm at no ceilings NBA.com on Twitter. You can find me at Tyler underscore Rucker or at backcourt V. The countdown is beginning, folks. We're going to be back in full swing very shortly. I would be buckling up, keeping your eye on the social media accounts, keeping an eye on the YouTube channel. Things are going to get rolling. Metcalf, as always, thank you. And once again, congratulations on uh, tying the knot. Thank you, sir. Well, once again, I am Tyler Metcalf. You can follow me on Twitter at tmetcalf11. You can find all of our No Ceilings merchandise at noceilingsnba.bigcartel.com. And you can find all of our written work at noceilingsnba.com. You can find us across all social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at noceilingsnba. And you can follow us on YouTube at noceilingstv. If you enjoyed this episode and want to help us grow, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and a five-star rating. Until next time, see y'all.